Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Ben, I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we are finishing up this series. Pastor Carlos started out the first two weeks, and I'm uh, finishing out uh, our series called Hacked. And I don't know about you, how many of you at some point in your life, you've had someone maybe uh, use a credit card, steal your identity, uh, create a, a fake account of some kind? In any way you think about that, have you ever been hacked or had your identity stolen? Will you raise your hand? Okay, yeah, that's almost all of us, right? Uh, and uh, the rest of you who say, that's never happened to me. Yes, it did. You just didn't catch them. Uh, so, yeah, you, you own some property somewhere in Argentina that you don't know about. But the, uh, the reality is uh, we all have been hacked. That happened to me. Someone created a, a fake Facebook and account, actually LinkedIn. I found them both. Someone was saying, hey, yeah, you, I got this weird uh, friend request from you, had your picture, but it w- really wasn't you. And then so I went in and I looked and got all taken care of. And then I thought, you know what? Who are the Ben Sigmunds of the internet? And so I found the Ben Sigmunds of the internet. The first one was myself, uh, and that is my lovely wife, Terry. And that is someone dressed up very oddly. No, the, uh, uh, and then uh, I found this young man. He is Ben Sigmund. He is at New York University. He is of my people. And uh, uh, then I also found Ben Sigmund. This one's a very famous one. He is a tech guru. He owns White Rabbit, which is a tech company. He is a blockchain analyst and a specialist on cryptocurrency. I'm going to get to know this brother. I want to let you know that. Uh, We're going to be friends. And I found, I didn't think there was anyone with my name who had ever been involved in religion at all. And I actually found an Episcopal priest, Charles Ben Sigmund. So I just want to say, if you were going to rate the religious Ben Sigmunds, I'm under light, so you got to understand I don't look. No, the, uh, we have these different people, and, and it's sort of funny when we think about relationships, and uh, when they get hacked, when something interrupts what we would hope, uh, had hoped for. And I think that happens especially when we look at just our, our key relationships of family and work and neighborhood and community. It can even happen in a church environment. And when Jesus came into the world, he came to uh, a group of people who had been told that they were less than, that they were not welcome. That because they didn't have the pedigree, because they didn't have the right ethnicity, that somehow that, that, well, maybe they could know God, but they wouldn't know God like everyone else. And so many people, they just gave up. They didn't try anymore. And Jesus not only changed the narrative, he changed the reality. And today, I, I, I want it, it's going to be a little bit different. 
One, for those of you who feel that way, I want you to know that Jesus wants to change the narrative and change your reality if you will let him. And if you say that's true of my life, not only have I accepted Jesus Christ, I'm following uh, him and I'm in a relationship with him. But can I tell you there's more that God wants to do in your life? And it has so little to do about you. It has to do with what God does through you. And that's exactly what I want to look at. In the book of Ephesians, I did a whole series on the book of Ephesians called Antisocial. Uh, because so many people, they, you know, that, this book of the Bible that, that I, people will take much out of context. Because it's really, it, people say, well, it's a book about, you know, how God will choose some people and not choose other people. N not at all, actually, if you read the book in context. It's, it's about the including those who would be Gentiles. When people thought that, you know, God was only for the Jewish people, no, the book of Ephesians says, no, he, he's chosen you. We read in, in that book, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household in Ephesians 2.19. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me, and even more than that, that's what God wants to do through you, is to make that a reality, not only for yourself, but for other people. If, if you're just visiting here, you actually picked a pretty good weekend, because you're going to find out about what we're about as a, a group of people. What really drives us? We have some core values as a church, and I want to just look at three of those. Uh, I know for the tech team I'm doing these out of order, but they're awesome. They'll get them up there. Uh, the, one of our core values is this, is we are committed to the uncommitted, inviting people to trust Jesus. See, that, that we're about that. I, I would hope every church would be about that. But I got to tell you, that's, that's number one for us. If you're here and you're part of the church, we want to love you and care for you and help you grow in your faith. And that is a priority, just not as high as that one. And then secondly, uh, we maintain a low shame le level, believing that grace gives us the ability and the motive to change. See, oftentimes what we'll, we'll do is we'll come in and we'll think, well, you know, so many people, oh, these are all these good religious people. And then there's me. That's because you don't know other people's pasts and stories. I mean, if you, know, if you know the stories of some of the people who are greeting you every weekend, you'd go, wow. If you knew the stories of half our ushers, you know what you'd do? You'd start giving online. That's what you'd start. <laughs> Not quite half, but uh, I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. But I said it every service anyway. So... Uh, uh, we also, uh, number three, want to remove barriers for people to connect with God and other people seeking to follow Him. So we strive to create a no weird stuff, irresistible environment. Someone asked me, what do you mean by no weird stuff? Here's what I mean. No weird stuff. Yeah, just not, we don't add anything that's sort of all this ritual that's really not scriptural, but can become a barrier. You know, we talking in in sort of a, a Christianese language and just make it accessible because you, one thing we know about Jesus and we're going to study a passage of scripture is that Jesus 
not only was powerful, he was accessible. And that's what uh, I'm calling today radical welcome. That is what we've strived to be about, but in a way in the future, even more so. Some of you have been here uh, a very short period of time, actually many of you, some, a few of you a longer period of time. You remember when it was one service, one campus, no balcony, sorry, you weren't here. <laughs> uh, not, even, not even in the middle of summer, not even as many people are, are here on the bottom section today. And people say, well, what was strategy? Tell me the church growth principle. Here's what it is. Radical welcome. When it used to be a church that was one ethnicity, pretty much one age group, one income level. Well, how did that change? People mention all the time. We don't talk a lot, a lot about it because it can get weird. Just about the diversity of the church and have people from every age and race and ethnicity and and I think now we're up to 60 different countries on this campus alone, which I think is awesome. It's just about radical welcome. And I believe that's the heart of God. So before I invite you in to participate, and I just want to let you know there's, there'll be no pressure, but I am going to invite you to participate today. I'm going to invite you to take a step. I want to talk about the barriers that can take place for you and me. Why, why we sometimes don't experience that. The first one is simply our choice. We can come in and say, you know, we, we desire something, but we can keep it from happening. I, you know, I say to everyone, have you ever been like that? Or you've seen, yeah. No one's talking to me. I don't know why. Because you look angry. People don't talk to angry, scowling people. And if that's you, that's fine. Just own it. Just say, I'm an angry, scowling person. Just try to smile a little bit. And we can all get there, right? And so I definitely don't want to be mean or judge. But if you're there, you have to understand, there is a natural outcome of that behavior. And so you say, God, just help me not be that way. Some of us are sort of just naturally that way. And then there's bad beliefs. Maybe ours or others. Other people that, you know, uh, God is just for the chosen few, are our belief that because of our past and our failure, what, what we've done and where we've been, that somehow God can't get past that. And the truth is, He can. And then there's an unreceptive atmosphere where it's, you know, and oftentimes we go here and start here, but it's not the case. You know, we're just a sort of a little difficult. It's hard to connect. Uh, I, I remember visiting a, a church, and uh, even though, you know, I speak and do all this kind of thing, uh, I, can, I can be shy. And so, I went to this uh, church, I was on vacation, and uh, I, I forget where, uh, I, I was by myself, my wife and my kids were uh, off doing something, and so I caught a church service, and I went in, and a, a church, a big building, small church, there were 16 people in the church including me, I counted. Six were up on stage. And I'm like, hey, this okay, small church, I'm going to enjoy it. But, but just my one fear was, Lord, do not let anyone call me out. Because that's what happens in small churches, hence why they're usually small churches. And so we get through the service, we worship. I'm trying to hide very hard to do in a crowd of 10. 
And then the pastor, he, he goes, looks like we have a visitor here today. And so I start looking around. <laughs> no one's buying it. And he said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I'm like, well, a part of me just died right now. <laughs> and so we all can be in atmospheres like that, right? See, sometimes here's a, here's a problem in, in, in our society. Gosh, I just got to tell you I have a problem with this. Our society cannot hold tensions, which, which is, is not a sign of intelligence, by the way. Where you have this, ten, like, like in church, there's this tension, right? God is holy and pure. The, the Bible tells us a way to live. By the way, we really believe that. You know, this is, this is important. We don't worship the Bible, but this is God's word to us. And yet, we don't sometimes live that way, and we're like, okay, well, then it must be over. No, it's a tension. It's a tension, and we got to manage that. And, and can you do that in your own life and just say, you know, I mean, there's some things in the Bible that are hard for me to understand, or man, I don't even like. But can you live in that tension and say, but I still believe God is God. I still believe He has something for me. I mean, I remember I was teaching once on, uh, on human sexuality and talking about how, you know, the, what the Bible says about the intention of God, sexuality, man and a woman and all of that. And, and I said, but I know that, you know, that's not everyone's reality and that's, that's the ideal, though, that, that we're going to hold up. And in reality, your experience might be very different. And so it's like, can I still grow in that tension? Can I? In fact, I, during that sermon, I, I shared... Uh, well, one thing about myself, there are some people who are, uh, when it comes to like hugging people, uh, I'm not a huggy kind of guy. So if I don't hug you, like there's a few of you who will hug me against my will, which is fine, but because uh, 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 that's just who you are. It's not who I am, it's who you are. And so uh, Pastor Carlos loves to be hugged. In fact, everyone you know, you do, give him a big long hug after service. He'll, it'll be awesome. <laughs> you have my permission. Not his, but you have my permission to go ahead and do that. Um, so, uh, but the only people I usually hug is, uh, well, one, I pastored a church, a little 30, 37 people, who were, people who were all older, and uh, a lot of them widows and widowers, and no one never got physical touch. And so uh, my sermons were horrible. And so the only, my only ministry I had is I would give them a hug. And we grew through hugging. That's how we grew the church. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then also people struggle with, uh, with weight. And that many of you know that's been a lifelong issue of mine. And I've been on every diet and, every, and it's just been you know, struggling. And like even last night, so I have compulsive behavior around eating. I ate 12 cookies last night. And uh, someone said, why did you eat 12 cookies? Because there wasn't 13. That's why, you know, that's the only reason why I ate 12. Had there been more, I would have eaten more. And it's sort of, I know I need help and a psychologist, and they, yes, I've done all of that. So, but people struggle with weight because people can be so mean. It, uh, man, that's someone, I'll give them a hug. People who, uh, uh, their sexuality, maybe they're, uh, you know, li living uh, uh, a different lifestyle outside of sort of the man and woman, someone who's, who's gay and, and to come into a church. And they'll say, oh, you know, this is, I'm going to get rejected. And so, first thing I do, give them a hug. Now, when I shared that a few years ago, I realized the problem that was created 
uh, because uh, for some of you, I gave you a hug recently, and you're trying to figure out what I think you are. <laughs> so maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's something else. But uh, the reality is, my heart, and I'm, trust me, I'm, I'm as bad at this as anyone else. No matter who you are, what you've done, what you believe, but you would just feel radically welcome. Because I think that's the heart of God. Now, now how you respond to that, you got to own. You really do have to own. And so, I'm going to look at a passage of Scripture that I think it sets the environment for us. It's the first miracle of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of John. If you look at that passage, those of you who are uh, online, you can uh, follow along as well. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. Now, that may sound, what's Jesus doing there? It seems like he's disrespecting his mom. Well, really, he knew once he performed a miracle, people were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for a Savior, that it would be the commencement of his, his ministry, at least to a larger and broader group of people. But we go on and we read, his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim and he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Now, that's important. They had participated. They had an inside knowledge. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Some things never change, do they? Uh, but, but it is sort of very funny how realistic the Bible is. Uh, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples his disciples believed in him that's a fascinating story uh, interesting the first miracle of Jesus is he's a bartender at an open bar and uh, <laughs> that's a truly a, a odd miracle uh, of the Bible and what he's doing though is he's really saving the day the, they'd run out of wine at this wedding, and you're saying, okay, what's the big deal? Well, in that day, honor was the currency of the day. That was the highest thing you could give. And to run out of wine was to dishonor guests. They would have been shunned. The family would not just made fun of, it could have had serious repercussions for that family. And in this moment, we sort of see the dilemma of being prepared, of being in the moment, of being available, of being used by God, of being obedient, of participating in transformation. And it's that very thing today I want us to consider for our lives. 
Because more than, more than any time in our history have we, I think we understand the need for welcome, but in our culture have never practiced it less. Towards certain, because people, you know, look a different way, vote a different way, or from somewhere different. In fact, what's our highest value in society? One of the highest ones currently, if you live in Seattle, is tolerance. By the way, that's not a bad value. We should. But literally, all we can come up with as society is our highest value is, to, is tolerance. And you think about that. Bring that to its logical conclusion. In a marriage relationship, how would you feel if your spouse said, you know what, I totally tolerate you? What would you do if your boss said, you know what, I've decided I'm going to tolerate you? No, seriously, we shoot low and usually don't even hit that, and we wonder why we have problems. Because if tolerance is the highest value, if you hit it, it's not going to work. See, God has created you and me for something way bigger than that. Not just to be tolerated, but to be welcomed, to be loved, to be part of His family. And that's where transformation happens. That's where community happens. That's where life change happens. And will you let that happen in your life today? Will you be part of that in the lives of other people? You say, whoa, that's, that's, that's what I want. Are you going to ask me to do anything? I am. Some of you are here today, you know that part of one of the things we're doing is we're having a membership class after this service. It's Discover Timber. Like, you don't have to join the church. We're just saying, will you consider being part of this community? Find out, hey, if you don't, you know, if it's not the right one for you, be someplace where you can experience and express that radical welcome. It'll change your lives and change the lives of other people. One of the things about our church that you'll find out is we're not anti any other church where, where Jesus is lifted up and the, and the Bible is taken seriously. That I think so many people that, that wouldn't it be great if Seattle was known as a place where God's love was expressed through radical welcome. And it's starting to happen through you in ways that we could have never dreamed. And I believe God has so much more for us. I don't know if it's going to happen. There's, the, there's opportunities opening up, even as we have more and more campuses but it's not just about more people, it's about God working deep in people's lives. So what does that look like for you and for me? How do I participate uh, in that? How to practice radical welcome? One, to prepare for our guests. Uh, now, now that's, that's important uh, to, for us as a church, it's important for us as individuals, because you never want to be unprepared. You always want to be ready in that moment. I know as a dad, I want to be ready in that, that moment for not just guests, for my, for my daughters when they come in and they want to talk about what's going on in their life. I, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is get to know uh, more, even more people in the church. I know lots of you, and especially leaders. I went over uh, to someone's house, uh, just said, hey, why don't we get together? And they were saying, uh, yeah, why don't you come over to my house? My son has a coffee company, and you can taste the coffee. And I'm like, I wanted to be prepared for that. And so it was a 2 o'clock meeting, 
I came over, I showed up at 1.55 p.m., opened the door, and uh, they said, you're early. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to be early. No, they said, no, a day, a day early. <laughs> <laughs> so just to let you know, I'm never going over to anyone's house ever again because <laughs> I cannot manage a calendar. I felt bad for them. You know what I'd really feel bad, though, is that if we as a church were unprepared. And like I say, if you're looking for the perfect church, please move on. This is not going to be it. But we want to do the best we can to show the welcome that Jesus Christ shows to us. And see, in the story, we find that people were ill-prepared, and, and the, really the, the caution there for us is to be prepared, and secondly, is to be available, that we want to be available uh, to God. Sort of interesting, uh, Jesus is called out by his mom, uh, even Jesus had to listen to his mom, <laughs> and he's available in that moment. And the question for us is, will we be available in that moment when we're aware? See, when you're aware of something, oftentimes, again, in society, we think awareness is the highest value. Awareness without action accomplishes nothing. Are we not only aware, but are we available? I got to say this, I'm pretty proud of you. And, and, and I, I want to say, first of all, as I talk about engaging, you're doing a great job. If you take an average church our size in America, about twice as many of you are engaged serving in the average church. So it's not like, hey, we need someone in the two-year-old rooms, or it's going to be a riot out there. No, it's not going to happen. But I am inviting you and asking you to be part of God's mission. And I, I was thinking of I was talking to someone last week who used to be in Acres of Diamonds, our transitional uh, ministry for homeless women and children. Literally hundreds of you served there last year and talking about just how God had worked in her life. And, and, and it wasn't because, see, we don't believe people are projects, that they're part of our family. Now, she's part of the church family and just amazing thing, even though she's out of that situation because she experienced radical welcome. And I was reading an article in the Seattle Times. I mean, obviously, there's homelessness is a huge crisis in the area. A lot has been tried pretty unsuccessfully. And I was thinking about the ministry you have and just the contrast even, to, and I want that to be successful. I, pray, I hope you pray for people. Pray for the city of Seattle as they try to deal with that crisis. But I was thinking about just how effective in contrast, honestly, in many ways, your efforts have been. And I think it's because of that radical welcome. And see, we're, we're available. Think about that. Th think about if, if we weren't prepared and we weren't available. Th I mean, think about it at church. Even, you know, this is the middle of summer. You know this is the middle of summer, right? And even in the middle of summer, just think if it was, you know, no one there to help wave you, find a parking space, no one to greet you at the door, no one to make coffee. That would be horrible. I mean, the, the people who make coffee are like the Levites in the Old Testament, the holy people of God. 
What if it was, you know, hey, we don't, you know, it was too hard, so no one, no musicians this weekend. It's karaoke Sunday. Uh, see, the, the truth is, if you're, if you're here, we want to make it feel effortless for you. But it's because many people have put incredible effort, incredible sacrifice, time, energy, money. And I would invite you to be available to that. Here's the thing we need to realize is understand that no one is overqualified or underqualified to serve. That means you. You know, you don't have to be perfect. Look down your road. They're not perfect. That, but no one is overqualified. Well, you know what, I, you know, and... Uh, do you think that Jesus was a little bit overqualified to handle the liquor shortage at a wedding? Yeah, I think he was. But he was available. See, the, even language is important. Language will determine action so much. Uh, I've been part of groups where they'll talk about this. Well, you know what? What we really want to do is be gatekeepers so the right people get in. It's sort of like God needs TSA agents or something like that. You're not called to be a gatekeeper. You're called to practice radical welcome. You're called to reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. And my question is, is would you be willing to do so? I wanted to include an action step. By the way, thanks for the team. They did this at the last minute. Actually, I don't think I have it there, but it's in your program. There, there's an opportunity for you to, to get involved. You say, hey, I'm not involved yet, or I used to be involved, but I'm not. I'm inviting you to do that. No pressure. I'm not pressuring you, but I am asking you. Because I know that come seven weeks, there will be another thousand people on this campus. It just happens every September miraculously. And the question is, are we going to be prepared to extend that radical welcome where everyone's wanted, needed, and no one stands alone. So there's opportunities there, there whether it's, uh, you know, you, you just say, hey, I don't know where to serve. We have a box there. I don't know where I'd serve. Where do you need me? First impressions team, maybe with the office, tech team, kids, growth groups, would you at least say, hey, I'll at least get the information. And God will use our availability, and He'll do miracles through it. Number four is uh, that when we are practice radical welcome, it honors God and it inspires other people through our example. We see this really in the Scripture, uh, what happened is that the the servants take a step of faith. They, they didn't know all that Jesus was going to do, how he was turning the water into this choice wine, but they, they knew they needed to follow. And oftentimes, we don't know what God is going to do through, for, through our efforts, but are we saying, you know what, I'm willing to follow God and trust you for the outcomes. See, the final thought is this, is everyone enjoys the final product but only those involved see the transformation process. And that's where we say, you know what, God? 
I may not be perfect. I may be far from it. But I want to be in, uh, available to you. I want to be aware. I'm not going to pretend I'm too big time for that or too little time. God, I want to be available to you. And so I'm asking the question, would you do that? 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is part of it. Now, obviously there's a little different message as I'm really challenging you to action today, challenging you to take a step, whether it's just maybe you say, you know what, I need to go to this Discover Timberlake thing and, and figure out what this church is about. Again, you can go through there and would love to have you there. We uh, have child care and food. We always prepare for extra guests. And uh, so we'd love for you to, to, to hang out with us. Or maybe you say, you know what, I've already done that, uh, but I'm ready to engage in a deeper, or re-engage in this next season of ministry. I want you not only to, to hear that challenge, I want you to see the product. And uh, I want you to hear a story of Josh who goes to our Duval campus. And because he stepped into this atmosphere of radical welcome, how Jesus not only became real in his life, but how he then in turn became available to do the same thing as well. Take a look at the screen. Hi, my name is Josh, and I've been attending Timberlake for four years. My parents were divorced, and my mom at that time didn't really you know, have a relationship with God or with Jesus. And so my dad, uh, you know, on the weekends that I was at his place, I would have to go to church. I would have to go to church. It was something that we had to do. Uh, definitely was not something that I wanted to do. I did not enjoy it a whole heck of a lot. And then, you know, I was a typical college kid enjoying life at school and, uh, you know, meeting some girls and going to parties. and. I was on the football team. I still made it through college and then started my career in the health and fitness industry. And very shortly after I started, uh, in walks this gal with dark hair and dark skin and I, you know, caught her real quick. And then we met and it was, you know, a couple conversations in, I was like, I think I told my best friend at the time, like, I'm gonna marry this girl. There's no question in my mind. And then as I got to know her, I think it became more and more clear that, look, she's got a really strong faith. Yes, when we first got married, you know, Angela and I had already talked about her faith, and I knew that this was a really important part of her life, and I had shared my story a little bit about my church upbringing, and she knew where I was, and she would go to church, and she would do her thing, and she'd come back, and, and so that went on, I would say, for at least a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, and then eventually it was like, all right. I think I'm, now I'm ready to go check this church thing out. So we had just moved to Duval, um, and literally as we're coming up the street to our house, we noticed that there was a church right there. We thought, gosh, that's really convenient. I wonder what it's like there. And yeah, so one Sunday morning, Angela and I decided we're gonna go check this thing out. Right away, there was already a vibe that started to kind of develop that I had never experienced at church before. And then since we've had Peyton and now we've got Jagger, you know, they are both super comfortable in the environment. Not only was, you know, the vibe perfect for what I needed if I was going to get involved in the church, but the message landed exactly what we needed to hear in that moment. So at the end of the message, 
uh, campus pastor, you know, gave us the opportunity to make eye contact. You know, I'm going to pray this prayer, and if you guys are at this stage, you know, in your journey with Christ, um, maybe you pray this with me. And I couldn't not open my eyes on that moment. The way he said it, and just the way that I was feeling, I literally felt super compelled. So that's when I decided that, you know, Jesus was someone I wanted in my life. The next right steps in general is like a theme that, you know, is always coming up at Timberlake. And we started really getting connected with the church. Uh, we started actually building some relationships and building a community there. We started serving. Uh, there was an opportunity to go get baptized. I think it's just the feeling that I'm actually on a journey. That feeling didn't exist before. And I know where I came from and how resistant I was early on to having a relationship with God that I feel like I can relate to some of like my friends who I know where they're at. And I was, I used to be there. And I slowly and very tactfully am trying to present an opportunity for them to follow God as well. Can we thank Josh for sharing his story? That takes a lot of courage. And, and I, I hope as you are listening and, and you say, if you're here and you're, say, you know, I am a Christ follower and uh, man, I, I want to take my next step. I want to take my next right step. I want whatever that is. I not only want to experience that sense of welcome, but to be part of that for other people. Or you might be here and you say, hey, I'm not sure if I know God the way that Josh or you talk about Him, but I'd like to, your reality can actually change in this moment. The, the Bible says, whosoever would come to Jesus, that means you. If you say, I can never remember a time where I've invited Jesus Christ into my life, I, I encourage you to do that even today. See, God has made the offer of relationship with Him, and we don't need to earn it. We don't need to behave better to receive it, but we do need to say, God, I do want to receive you as the leader of my Lord, the forgiver of my sins, as my Lord and Savior. And if you're ready to take that step today, I want to invite you into a prayer. Will you pray with me? In fact, will everyone... Uh, Close your eyes and bow your head. I want to give a sense of privacy in a, in a public place. Now, you'd say something like this to God. Say, God, I, I love you and I thank you for your love for me. And, and, and I want to receive what you've done for me. I invite Jesus into my life as leader and Lord. The Bible says, when you've said that or, or something like it, when you've responded with a yes to God, that you don't need to worry about His answer to you because it began with a yes from Him. The Scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that means at this moment, if you've said yes to Jesus, and that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. 
Scripture says that part of that process, oh, this is a very personal decision, not really meant to be a private one, that something happens when we let other people know that we have said yes to Jesus. So here's how we do this at Timberlake. We're not going to have you go to a different room or come forward or really say anything, but with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, we should say, Ben, I prayed that prayer with you to say yes to Jesus today. Would you simply indicate that step of faith by looking up at me? I'm going to look to my right and to your left. And you'd, you'd say, okay, awesome, awesome. Anyone else? Okay. In the center section. You just let your eyes meet mine and you're saying, today I've accepted Jesus. That's great. I'm looking around. Okay. In the center section, catching you. And up in the balcony too, a little dark up there. I'm not, okay, great. And over on my left, you'd say, that's, that's, that's what I'm, all right, way to go. God, I just thank you for so many of my friends who are taking this step today for the first time or first time in a long time. And God, I pray that, that they would experience that, that welcome home from you and from us. God, I pray uh, that you'd continue to guide us as a church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.